of bad days after he was a king. And so you see all of those highs and lows uh, that are described throughout the book of Psalms. And so as we look here in verse number uh, 1 through 5, I want you to see his cry for assistance. Uh, oftentimes in the, in the beginning of many Psalms, not all the Psalms, but some of the Psalms, they start out with just David's despair, his cry. And you see that right in the beginning. And then they often end on a high note, just like this one does as he ends. He says, be of good courage in the last verse. And, uh, and so he's going to start off here with his cry. And look at what his cry, his cry for assistance in verse number one. He says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. He said, let me never be ashamed. And his cry for help really is, deliver me in thy righteousness. And listen, there is, uh, we ought to go to the Lord. Uh, we ought to find comfort and consolation in the Lord. We ought to bring our problems to the Lord. I'm not faulting David by any stretch of the imagination uh, because he brought his faults to the Lord. That is a good thing to do. And he claim, and he cries out for, for assistance. And he's saying, hey, deliver me. And, uh, and boy, many times we like to take things upon ourselves. Uh, we like to do it ourselves. I am, I'm probably the worst person at this because I am a, I am a do-it-myselfer and I am a, I can fix it. Uh, and I enjoy tinkering on things and I enjoy fixing things. And, and, and so, uh, listen, when we have that mentality, I like to do that with physical things, but when we have that mentality with all of our problems, then we become our own worst enemy. Because we're trying to solve them. And we're not taking them to God and saying, God, I, I need your help with this. By the way, it's not a bad thing to take physical problems to God uh, either. I'm thinking more like mechanical problems. Uh, sometimes I've run into problems and, and, and I'm like, man, I need to pray and ask God to help me to do this. And, and there's, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. God wants us to come to him. And, and I'm talking about a mechanical, physical problem, but the same thing's true with our health. The same thing's true with our finances. The same thing's true with raising our children. The same thing's true with our families. The same thing's true with anything that we run into in life. We, we should not, uh, we should always take it to the Lord in prayer. David here is crying out for deliverance. He's not only crying out for deliverance, but notice what he says there in verses 2 and 3. He says, Bow down thine ear to me, deliver me speedily, be thou my strong rock uh, for an house of defense to save me. And so we see in verses 2 and 3, uh, not only is he crying for deliverance, but he's also crying uh, for defense and, uh, and a place that he can run. He's saying, hey, I, wanna, I need to run into a house where I can be guarded, where I can be safe. In verse number 2, he calls it this, a fortress, for thou art my rock and fortress. Listen, a fortress... The last time I checked, does not get up and move and go on the offense. It's a defensive hold. It is a place that you run to where you can be saved from. And listen, there is nothing wrong with running to God in a moment for defense. Hey, sometimes we, we have got to turn to God. We have got to go to God. And we need that defensive position where we can run to, where we will be safe. And, uh, and we find that David is crying out for that. I found this interesting in verse number two because he said this, um, 
He said this, bow down thine ear to me. And look at what he says here. He says, deliver me speedily. Well, I read that and I thought, wow, is that not us? We are like, God, I need an answer and I need an answer now. We wait until the last minute, until, until we're pulling our hair out, until uh, we are up against a deadline, and then we're like, God, my problem is now your problem, and I need something done, and I need something done right now. And David is crying out, speedily, Lord. Hey, listen, you can, can I tell you this? You cannot rush God. And I tell you what, God will show up when it's his timetables. And I'll tell you this, he'll never show up late. I've found in my life, personally, he often doesn't even show up early. My, my dad was a military man. You show up early. My, dad, my dad's philosophy is if you're not 10 minutes late or early, then you're late. Um, it's just my dad's philosophy. And so I, I was always, that, that kind of went against the grain in Peru, obviously, but uh, uh, South America. But, uh, uh, but that was my philosophy. And, and so, listen, God, I've found in my life that God shows up right on time. God's never, uh, God's never late. Sometimes we think, the deadline's passed. Man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know about you. I don't know if God's ever put you in that position. I, I know for a fact David was in this position several times where, uh, where it's overdue. And, and, and you're saying, man, i got to have answers, and I need to know what to do, and I need to know the next move, and I need to know what I'm supposed to say or what I'm supposed to uh, do in this case. And, and the time comes, and you're like, where's God? I need an answer. And all of a sudden it goes by and you're like, I, I'm still empty. I don't have anything. And be careful you don't get angry with God. Don't get upset with God. Listen, uh, you're not going to rush God. And sometimes God is teaching us patience in our life. And sometimes we don't need the answer right then and there like we think we need the answer. And, and so we need to learn to wait on God. David, he said he was crying out. Again, you recognize here in these first five verses, he's crying out to God, deliver me. Give me a safe place. Uh, I mean, these are his petitions. Speedily, Lord. I mean, they're right on my tail. I need something from you. And he's crying out for all of this assistance. Uh, and, and listen, um, not only that, but I want you to notice, look in verses four and five. We find his dependence is on God. He says this, he says, pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. Verse 5, into thine hand I commit my spirit. Have you ever been pushed up against an edge and you're like, man, the time has come and and, and I've done this, I've been there in my life where uh, you're praying and you're saying, Lord, I need an answer and I need, I need an answer now. And, and the answer doesn't come, the time comes and, and then you do something. And hindsight always says, that was foolish. I, I probably should have just waited and not done anything. I would have been better off. 
And, and, and we do stuff, and then we find out if we would have done as David had done here, and he says, pull me out of the net. In other words, I'm not going to try and crawl out of the net. Uh, I have no escape. I have no secondary plan, but I'm dependent upon God to remove me from this situation. In verse 5, into thine hand I commit my spirit. In other words... If all of this falls through and I die, then I'm going to count it as God's will in my life. That's commitment. I've commented, I've, I know I've preached, maybe not preached here, but I, I know I've preached before. You think about the, uh, the three boys at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in Daniel chapter number three. What was their backup plan? They went, they went straight to the king, uh, and they, they refused to bow, number one, and when the, when, the, when the king pulled them in and asked them, hey, what are you guys, you didn't hear the announcement? I mean, you need, when the music plays, you bow, to, let's try it again, all right, play the music. They're standing there. They don't bow. And they, they told the king, we want you to know, I'm paraphrasing, we want you to know, king, that our God is the only God in the universe and we will not bow to anything else. And if we die, we die. They didn't have a backup plan. Their, their goal was not to rescue and save their own life, but their goal was to trust and commit themselves to God. David here is saying he's committing himself to God. And we find his dependence upon God. Uh, we find that he is uh, he's crying out for assistance in these first five verses. Look at his complaint uh, as we see his complaint of his adversary here in verses 6 through 13. Uh, we won't spend a lot of time on this because I'll tell you what, most people I know, they already know how to complain. So I don't need to teach you how to complain. Most people, you've got to teach them how not to complain, all right? Uh, we don't need help with that. Uh, but, but David, for all practically purposes, is complaining here. Look at what he says there in verse number 6. He said, I have hated them that regarded lying, regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. One of his complaints is his utter disgust with the lies that were really actually being told about him. And listen, uh, we ought to be disgusted uh, at sin and not just disgusted when it affects us. You know, sometimes when, when it hits us or, or other people sin against us, we tend to be disgusted. But if we're the ones doing the, uh, the committing of the sin, it's not so disgusting anymore. You understand what I'm saying? He's disgusted because it does affect him. And it was lies being told about him. Look at his delight uh, as he complains about his adversity. Uh, in verse number 7, he says this, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. Verse 8, and hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. He's saying, listen, uh, my delight is that, hey, I'm not all alone in this situation, but rather that God knows where I am at and that God has not just left me in the hand of the enemy to be completely squashed. And so, uh, so he's taking in delight uh, in the fact that, hey, God, you know where I'm at. And, and, and you're there, and you're very aware of me. You considered my trouble. And, and so he's, he's looking at that. But look at his despair here in verse number 9. 
He says this in 9. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my belly, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. Wow, there is a definite despair that is in that verse. I mean, he's saying, man, I'm in despair. Uh, my, my, my life is filled with woes and, and my years are filled with grief. And, and, and what's the point in going on? And, and you can see his complaint and his very negative outlook uh, as, he, as he gives all of this to the Lord. And, and by the way, um, I'm not, I'm not um, condemning David for these things. Because listen, you ought to be able to take everything to God. And, and, and listen, you can take, don't take it to your neighbor. Don't take it to your friend. Don't take it to, uh, to somebody. Take it to the Lord. That's fine. Take it to the Lord and leave it there. And, and David does that. He's taking all of this. Look at how negative that is. And, and all of the problems. Uh, look at his disgrace in verse number 11. He's complaining about being disgraced. He says, I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbor and a, f and a fear to mine acquaintance. Uh, they that did see me without fled from me. He's saying, hey, everyone was ashamed of me and nobody wanted to come around me and even my neighbor they're like man that, that guy's over there and he's the guy that's running for the king from the king he's the guy the king's hunting he's a wanted outlaw he's a fugitive and and this was David's life that he was uh that he was a reproach to everyone and he's feeling it he felt like a disgrace wherever he went not only that but uh he says in verse 12 I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind and I am like a broken vessel. Verse 13, For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. We see their device was to overthrow David, to take, get rid of him. Boy, that, those verses really could apply when David was not king. And he did not know who to trust because, uh, boy, he was a fugitive. He was running from the law. He, he was an outlaw. And, and, and King Saul did want to kill him. And I'm sure uh, he was struggling with who do I trust and who do I turn to and where do I go? Even after David was a king and was run out of his own country, the same thing would be true uh, of, of who do I turn to and, and where do I go and who can I trust and who's on my side and who's not on my side because uh, there was a lot of problems and, and David was very concerned. Matter of fact, you'll notice he said fear was on every side. And listen, you can see all of, David's, uh, all of David's complaint of his adversity. And, and he was concerned about all of that. I want you to notice his confidence is assured in verse number 14. We find the first part of the chapter is kind of negative, really. He does cry to the Lord. He complains of his adversities and all of the problems that are surrounding him. But then he assures us in verse number 14 of a confidence. He said in verse number 14, But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. 
I find that interesting in verse number 14. It's a declaration of, of dependence. We find his confidence is assured and he declares his dependence. I want you to notice this phrase here. He said, I trusted in thee. That is past tense. That's saying, hey, I, I had trusted in thee in the past. In other words, he made a decision in his life to trust in God. And after he had made that decision to trust in God, he then found himself submerged in all of these problems with, with people on every side uh, that did not like him, that, that did want him dead, uh, that were lying against him. He found all of these problems that he was complaining about after... He had trusted in God. And so we find in verse number 14 his declaration of de dependence upon God. But I want you to notice this because in verse number 15, it gets really good. He says this, my times are in thy hand. And we find not just his declaration, hey, I remember that time when I put my faith and trust in God, but now I see his delegation to God of his life. When he's saying, God, I, I did trust in you, and you know what? Now I'm going to delegate all of these problems, all of this time to your hands. And, and he says, God, they're yours. In other words, God, if I live or if I die, I'm in your hands. And whatever you want, we find him as moldable as clay at this point. Whatever God wants. And, and listen, it's not easy to get to that point sometimes. We've been, you've been there, I've been there, where, where uh, maybe you want something and you're like, man, I, I thought for sure this was going to go a whole different way and it didn't go the way that you thought it was going to go. And, and all of a sudden you found yourself in all kinds of problems and David, without a doubt, found himself there multiple times and he says in verse number 15, my times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. And, and he says, God, I'm yours. And listen, when you truly are trusting in God, you're not placing time limits on God. You're not placing limits on God. You're saying, God, I am yours to do as you please. And, and listen, God works in his time. I was reminded I don't remember when it was, it was a couple days or this week. At uh, some point, I, I was reminded of this verse, Isaiah 55, verse 8. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And listen, the way God plans and the way God does stuff many times does not align with our plans. We may think, well, this is what's going to happen, and this is our plan. And we, listen, you can lay the best laid plan. You can, you can plan, you can prepare, and you ought to, to do the best you can. But listen, at the end of the day, God may move stuff around on you. And you may find yourself uh, bewildered and saying, man, that's not how I saw this playing out. That was not my plan. And then you're going to have to say, you know what? I guess I'm just going to have to trust God. And I, just, I guess I'm just going to have to leave it in God's hands at this point. We find that David, 
is doing that. He's still asking for deliverance, but he's very clear. He says, my times are in thy hand. And, and he leaves it, and he's assuring those around him as well as God that, hey, my confidence is placed in you, and I trust you. I want you to notice the cause that he applies. Look with me in verse 16. I find this fascinating. He said in verse 16, Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. But look at his plea. He says, Save me for thy mercy's sake. He's not, he's not proclaiming himself. He's not proclaiming, Save me uh, for, for my sake or save me for uh, my cause. He's, he says, Save me for thy mercy's sake sake. God's merciful. And, and I tell you what, you and I, we ought to be grateful for God's mercy. Because to be honest with you, God's mercy is why we're not in hell. God's mercy is why we have salvation. God's mercy is, is very merciful and it's very great for us. And, and in reality, we ought not forget it and we ought to realize and re understand, hey, that God is truly merciful to us. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's mercy. Um, and, and, and God is so good about that. And he's, he's proclaiming God's mercy. The cause that he's applying is because of your mercy. Not only that, but look in verse number 17, because he gives another cause. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. He's not saying, let me not be ashamed, O Lord, because, uh, because man, the people will look down on me. No, that wasn't his reasoning. He didn't say, uh, let me, let, he didn't say, save me, God, because otherwise people won't respect me. He said, save me, Lord, because I have called on you. In other words, God, I want your name to be honored and glorified. I want you to be lifted up. And he's pleading the cause of God's mercy in verse 16. He's pleading the cause of God's name in verse number 17. It's a public declaration. In other words, hey, I, I've prayed and people know that I'm following you and people know that I'm a Christian. And listen, we ought, to, we ought to make it known that we're saved. We ought to make it known that we're depending upon God. We ought to make, allow people to realize and understand, hey, we're Christians and we do depend upon God. I'm reminded of, I thought of this today, the, and I laugh every time I think of this, the missionary, I, I remember hearing him tell this story, and I, I don't even remember what missionary it was, but he was a missionary to Africa. And he would uh, get on the public buses and go out to towns and preach in different towns. And, uh, and, and, and you have to know other cultures. They're just a little different. And so uh, he gets on the bus and, and he tells the bus driver when he gets on, he says, hey, uh, I'm going out to this town. He said, he said, I'm a missionary. I would like to pray for our trip for the whole bus before we go. And, uh, and the bus driver, he's like, no. Matter of fact, he threw him off the bus. He got some guys and said, no, throw this guy off the bus. 
So the missionary got thrown off the bus. And so outside of the bus, they're still loading passengers. He starts to, to pray out loud. God, I pray that you would have this bus not make it to its destination. I pray that it would break down. I pray that it wouldn't go very far. I pray that it would be a terrible trip. And, and before he finished praying, they were coaxing him back on that bus. He said, you get on this bus. And I want you to unpray all of those prayers and pray that God will bless our trip and pray that God will make us have a good trip and that all will go well. And, and so he got on that bus and he prayed, you know, God, I pray that you'll bless this trip and that all will go well. And, and sure enough, it did. And, and, and it is. It's funny. I laugh every time I think of it. But it's a public proclamation. It's a testimony. And, and, and listen, David had that testimony. He's saying, hey, people know that I have called on your name and for your name's sake, I'm asking that you would allow this to go forward and work. So he's pleading the cause of God's name. He's pleading the cause of mercy. Look in verse number 18. He says this, uh, let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. He's pleading the cause of righteousness. Perhaps not even his own, but that of other people even. And he's saying, hey, God, if, if I live right and if I'm doing right, I'm asking, please, that you would allow this to work and allow this to go forward. And, and I, I'm not saying this is... How can I say it? Let me explain it this way. I have, I have several children, you know that. But if one of my children has a, has a bad relationship with me, they've done something that's wrong and, and they're like, uh, they're like, ah, they're not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not living pleasing to their father. I'll say it that way. Hey, dad, can, can you go get me ice cream? I might not be so prone to go get them ice cream. But if my other child who's living within my will says, Dad, can we go get ice cream? I might be more prone to go get ice cream. Do you understand what I'm saying? There, there's no doubt there's a biblical concept that God's blessing is upon the righteous. I preached on Sunday that, that God, uh, it's not that he destroys as in obliterates, but, but listen, there's a, there's a very clear principle in the word of God that sometimes when we try to live and do things on our own, that God does remove his hand of blessing from us, and you will work twice as hard and get uh, half the distance of other people because God is not blessing. And we find here that David is pleading the righteousness as his cause. And so he's pleading the mercy of God. He's pleading the name of God. And he's pleading the righteousness and saying, hey, God, I'm, uh, at least for the righteousness sake, I'm asking for you to work. And so we find that David's cause is applied there in verses 16 through 18. But we find he ends again this psalm on a very high note and his claims are announced. Look at verse number 21. Blessed be the Lord. And he's happy again. Things have changed. Why? For he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. And listen, God shows his goodness to us. 
if you have any doubt, you, you look at your life. I, if you have any doubt, I tell you what, let, you take a missions trip with me. We'll go to some third world country and you'll find out I am far blessed beyond measure than ever I ever realized. We are so blessed in America. And, and, and reality is God has showed his kindness unto us. God's been so good to us. I'm just telling you, it, it amazes me how good God has been to us. And, and David is recognizing that. He said, hey, in verse 21, uh, for he hath showed, that's past tense, me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. In other words, God has blessed me in the past, and I have been blessed, and I need to let people know that God is good because God has blessed me so much. He shows his kindness. Look at verse number 22. For, he's, for I said, look at this, in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. You kind of see his haste, and you see that in verse number two, as he was saying speedily, like I'm dead, it's already over, and, and I'm not going to make it, and the end is already in sight. And, and he's, he's fixing that here in verse 22. He says, for I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. Listen, not only has God blessed us richly, but God hears our prayers. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I've quoted this verse before, but I, I want you to see it in the Word of God and in context. And, and sometimes uh, we just, I, I have a tendency, I just run over stuff and, and I, I'll give you the verse and, and whatnot. And sometimes I don't always explain it. And I want, I want you to see this verse, Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number four, 13, 14. Hebrews 4, 14. And I want you to see that God does hear our prayers. Verse number 14, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, he's talking about Jesus, he'll clarify that, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. In other words, uh, you can be assured of your profession. There's no need to doubt in this. He's saying uh, that we have this high priest. Go on with me in verse number 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, Jesus Christ came to this earth, and he walked on this earth, and he lived in this earth, and he knows what it's like to suffer hunger. He knows what it's like to be tired physically. He knows what it's like to suffer pain. He knows what it's like to go without. He knows what it's like to live in this sin-cursed world that, that, and to face temptation. But the Bible's very clear that the Bible says that he did all of this without sin. But the point of it is, is this, that he knows what we go through. Because he suffered just like we did. And, and he knows all of this. Go on with me. So he's saying, hold fast our profession. Don't doubt this because Jesus Christ was, was, uh, was here on this earth. And, and it says there 
that he, he really understands us. In verse number 16, the whole point is, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain, what is it? Mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I think that's what David was claiming. I think he was claiming that mercy. I think he was looking for that help and he was crying out for it. And the Bible reassures us in the New Testament, hey, listen, that we can go to that throne of grace knowing that God understands where we're at. I hate that ad that was on during football season. He gets us. It was not... I looked it all up. I looked up the web page and I'm like, that thing is not even, it's not on at all. It was totally off. The whole basis of it, it was off. But I will tell you this, and I don't want to use the words he gets us, but he does understand from whence we're coming. He did live in this world. He did suffer. He, he, he understands those things, and, and that he, that's not okay to sin. We're not using that as an excuse, but we're using it to say this, God, I, I'm suffering here. And he says, I understand, child. I know what it's like because he's been there. But it, I, I kind of think it's even, he probably had it a little bit tougher than even we do because in all reality, we bring a lot of reproach. We bring a lot of our own problems upon ourselves. He never did. He didn't bring one problem upon himself. Everything was a result of sin in other people. Not his own sin. It wasn't his fault. So therefore, nothing really was his fault, but yet he suffered through all of it for our sake. And he's saying, let us therefore come boldly unto that throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Way back in Psalms 31, God hears our prayers. Isn't it good to know that God understands and that you can go to God in prayer? I tell you what, not, everyone's, not, not everyone understands not everyone understands our life, but I tell you what, God understands, and you can always go to him. David said in verse 22, nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. Verse 23, he says, O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentiful rewardeth the proud doer. He gives us two things, but one, he, he tells us this, is that the Lord helps us, but he gives us two things that we're to do. One is to love the Lord, and the second thing is to be a doer of his word. He says they're a proud doer, somebody that's not ashamed of of doing God's will, somebody that's not ashamed to be called a Christian, somebody that's not ashamed to go to church, somebody that's not ashamed to witness, somebody that's not ashamed to stand up for the cause of Christ. He's encouraging us. And he's saying, hey, he helps. We ought to love him, and we ought to be a proud doer of what God wants us to do. He closes with this verse, 
be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. A lot of times it's a battle that's right there in the heart. It's not so much outwardly. It's, it's more so our courage that says, man, I need that strength. And God gives us the courage. He will strengthen, the Bible says, our heart. And we need that. And he's encouraging us to be of good courage. We see David in his prayer. Boy, he starts out with crying unto God and really complaint of all the problems that he has, but he turns it and says, boy, God is so good, and you can trust him. Listen, Christian, child of God, we've got psalm after psalm after psalm after psalm that substantiates it. We've got testimony after testimony after testimony in the word of God. We've got testimony after testimony in this room that says God's faithful. You can trust him and you can follow him. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, be of good courage. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for your, how much you have blessed us. God, thank you for your mercy that saved us. And God, for us not receiving what we deserve to receive. What mercy you have. And then God, on top of that, you bless us with things we really don't even deserve. You've been so good to us. God, I pray that you'd help us to be public about proclaiming you. Not ashamed of being a Christian. Not ashamed of somebody who follows Christ. God, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen us, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Be encouraged. He closes out. He says, Be of good courage, and he shall... Strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. What a blessing to know that God's not going to fail us. Things might not go our way. Things might, it's not a promise that things will go our way. It is a promise that God's not going to fail us. So we thank God for that. As the piano plays and if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.
we can go ahead and bring our invitation to a close. And uh, you can be seated really quick. If I could have a couple fellas, uh, David, Micah, if you could go get back and get those prayer sheets on that back table. And uh, Brother Tim's back there. And if you guys could kind of get those um, out. If, if you do not, I, I'm, we're going to assume everyone does not have one. Maybe, maybe somebody went and already picked one up. Just let them know that you already have one. But uh, everyone probably needs one because these are new prayer sheets for the month of May. And so if you could get those out to everyone, uh, that would be a help. All right, as they're passing those out, these are, these are on the sheet, but these are new prayer requests that came in. And so let me just give you these updates really quick as they're passing those out. Uh, Mike English, physical need. He, uh, I believe he's going to have to have another surgery. Keep him in prayer. Uh, I know that they'll appreciate that. And then Stephanie and Jared, physical need. Uh, that's a granddaughter of Mrs. Orr. And so if you'd keep that in prayer, that would be appreciated. Stacy Parker, um, and she's a lady come Sunday morning usually, and uh, she lost her job, so keep her in prayer. Uh, Vicki Lease, that's my mother-in-law, and uh, she, she, she actually is not on this list. We got a call this afternoon, and, uh, and she has stomach cancer, <clears throat> so keep that in prayer. At least that's the initial report of the doctor, so... Uh, if you'd keep that in prayer, I know that that would certainly be appreciated. And then these two families are on the on the list as well. Uh, Janet Kreitz passed away. Uh, that was the daughter of Bud Pumphrey. And uh, so keep, uh, it was Dan Beadle's stepsister, so keep her her family rather in prayer. And then the family of Cheryl uh, Saravo, um, she has she has passed away and, uh, and her her daughter, Angela Saravo, I think, came to church here, and some of you may know her. So keep them in prayer uh, as the mom had passed away. So those are, those are, most of those are on the, on the list except Vicki Lease, uh, my mother-in-law. And if you'd keep, you can pencil that in, that'd be wonderful. Does anybody have any, uh, before we go to prayer requests, does anybody have any praises they'd like to share with us? Any praises? Yes, Ed. Our, your levy pass, praise the Lord. So that's that's good for Ed. That's more that's continues with his work. So that's a good thing. We want people to be employed. All right. Any other praise? Yes. Good. Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So good. That sounds painful though, man. So, all right. Any other prayer request or uh, praises? Any other praises? Yes. Lease, L-E-A-S-E, L-E-A-S-E, yep. Any praises? All right, yes. Amen. 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 All right. All right. Any prayer requests? Any up? Any new prayer requests we need to add on here? Yes. Uh, 
right? McKenzie school debt. We'll just put debt. We'll leave all the adjectives off and Lord knows where they are all at. Wheel bearings. I remember hearing about that, yes. Yeah. Mackenzie is saying pray for her. For those who maybe not, may, may not be able to hear her, she said pray for her, uh, her debt with school and then her vehicle that has been, uh, just before she left, she had to have some car parts repaired. And so that was, a, there's expense there and uh, all that stuff. So, yes. All right. And a job so that, I think those two kind of go hand in hand. So. <laughs> Yes, a job will pay off the debt, so pray, we'll pray for that. So debt and a job, all right? Yes. <laughs> all right. Any other prayer requests? Yes. Yes, pray for my dad. He, is, he said he's got uh, bronchial pneumonia, and, uh, and so he's, he's been struggling with that. So keep my dad in prayer. His name is Ed Rice. All right, any others? Yes. Okay. Abe and Mariah's friend, Brittany, I can't write and talk, Brittany, uh, her, her father committed suicide, so keep that family in prayer. That's, that's tough. Any others? Yes. Yes, 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 Rebecca. My daughter is expecting, and I pray that that goes well. Grand, grandbaby boy or grandbaby girl? We'll just pray that it all goes well. <laughs> <laughs> Twins, triplets. <laughs> oh my! Pray, do pray for that. That it all goes well. All joking aside, and uh, so keep that in prayer. All right. Good. All right. Let's um. Well, let's take a couple of moments here, and we'll pray. And I, why don't you play the soundtrack back there? We didn't coordinate that, but play the piano back there, and uh, and that'll be fine. And then when um. You can pray right there in your seat. You're welcome to come to the altar and pray. Uh, and, then, and then towards the end of that, Brother, uh, Brother Chuck Hamby will close us in prayer. And so uh, just take your list and take a couple moments and pray about it. I was reminded this, this past week as well that, that Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. And, uh, and so we need to spend some time praying for these things. And uh, we'll just have, take a couple moments and the piano will play. We'll have a soundtrack in the back playing a piano. And, uh, and we'll pray for these things, all right? So let's go ahead and pray.